Welcome back to Real Talk Season 6. Danielle, this is our first proper episode recording together. Yes. First one. And how are we feeling? Uh, we got the little jitters, jitters to begin. but You do well. Your voice is very steady, even if you're feeling the jitters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and part of that, too, I've always felt that as a podcaster. I, I can't believe I just called myself that, actually, because <laughs> I was a very resistant <laughs> podcaster. Yeah. But I do believe so much in the kind of conversations that we have. And that helps get me through when I am, you know, every episode just as freaked out as the last. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I've been continuously told to podcast for probably the last 10 years. So, And you finally said yes. I'm finally Well, today we have a really exciting conversation. Um, We talk a lot as a podcast team about the future of higher ed. I mean, things are changing um, pretty quickly. Um, We have a lot of conversations about access, um, who college is for, um, who succeeds and and how and how to be effective um, in creating social change. And we have, a, a, I would say, an innovator in this area, um, Seyma Na, who is with us today, the executive director of a new organization, new-ish, as of 2019, Gateway U. Um, <laughs> she is a proud Newark native, has a BA from Rutgers, uh, an MA in educational leadership and policy from Howard University. And Gateway U is, we're going to learn a lot about today, uh, a wraparound support kind of organization that's partnered with Southern New Hampshire University um, that is serves as a gateway for students. It's well-named. For lack of a better word. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they're all about creating a new model of higher ed, and that's what we're about, too, reimagining um, what higher education can look like. Um, I mean, it's changing now, so we may as well set a vision um, and create pathways for students. So, Sema, welcome to Real Talk. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. Yeah, so we are sitting here at a university uh, just up the road in Connecticut. Um, You're down in New Jersey. Yeah. We are actually half our campus is in New Haven. The other half is in uh, Hamden. And we're a state university. Um, So we're sitting in a physical campus. And as I've been learning about Gateway U, um, it's a model that I have not actually heard about before. So can you tell us, give us like sort of the nutshell, what is Gateway um, and why is Gateway? Yeah. Well, let's do nutshell first, right? Nutshell is, I like to think of it as two halves, right? You have your half that is academic focus, right? So that's Southern New Hampshire University. They are our university partner. So they handle the curriculum, professors, right? A student's degree will not say Gateway U. It will say Southern New Hampshire University. When a student applies for FAFSA, they use Southern New Hampshire University, right? Okay. It comes to removing the typical barriers, right, that students face when it comes to going to college. That is where the Gateway U comes in. So you have your academic side, which is Southern New Hampshire University, and you have your Gateway U support side, right, coming together to make this beautiful little circle. And it can look like um, helping you walk through the FAFSA because we know FAFSA can be very, very overwhelming. They ask questions that me, myself, who have been to college twice, <laughs> still still don't know how to um, answer. But when we think about things that typically stop a student from getting their degree, that is where the gateway you comes in, the support, the coaching, right? So you have these two halves that come together to make this beautiful whole. And it's thinking about the student holistically, right? So what do students need? Of course, you need the academic, but you also need this personal side and yes. what does that look like for the student moves forward and that's where gateway you strategically thinks about that to make sure they have that and that's gateway i would say yeah that's us in a nutshell mm-hmm. with okay. all the extra <laughs> okay so uh, the yeah so the, there are students 
going to school online, but then they're having a, a probably like a hybrid experience at Gateway where they could have like in-person kind of coaching support, mentoring, but also like some online support as well? Absolutely. So it's definitely, I would definitely describe it as a hybrid experience because students go to school online. So their academic portion is completely online. So they can do it anywhere at any time. Right. However, their support, while, you know, pandemic has taught us that you can support a student from miles and miles away, we're able to, um, we're able to use the virtual space as well. But we also have a student center, right. That's located in North. I think when I think about the online student experience, they often feel like they're alone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a huge they problem. Like yeah. They're in this by themselves, right? And what that this space does, it's make sure that they know that they're not, right? Mm-hmm. So you're able to come and you're able to meet your peers that you typically won't meet. It's like, you know, when you go to graduation, you go to school online, you're literally walking with strangers. Oh, yeah. Yep. I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Right. Like, who are these people? I don't know these people. It was just me and my computer. Right. But the student center literally creates that community. Mm. Right. Where we're able to not only support you in person, you're not only able to meet your coach one on one, but you're also able to meet other students one on one. You're able to our student center looks like a little Starbucks. Right. So you're able to talk with people and, you know, learn other people's experiences just as you would do in the traditional space. So we're taking aspects that work really, really well in the traditional space, bringing them to this non-traditional space, again, to create that community and make sure students know that you're not in this by themselves. But it's definitely, to wrap it all in a beautiful bow, I would say that it is definitely a a hybrid experience for sure. Okay. And in what ways are you bringing is it like a deliberate effort to bring students together? Like, you know, maybe I don't know what your capacity size is, but are you bringing certain classes together or are you just saying, is it is it like student groups or something that they could be a part of? Like, how are they coming together? For sure. So first thing is, right, students come in as cohorts. So you already start to create a bond in your cohort during orientation. So think traditionally, right? When Mm -hmm. you first get your packet, it's probably about 100, maybe 300 freshmen all in the auditorium or gym, whatever the case may be, right? Our students come to our student center during that time. And they're able to, of course, talk with one another. They're also able to engage with the work during this orientation process, right? Because it's a little different, especially if you're talking about working adults, right? Who may have stopped out of college or... They didn't have the opportunity at the time. So it's a little bit overwhelming for them as well, right? But again, they're coming to this space. They're able to come in in their cohort. They're able to meet their cohort. And then throughout the term, right, throughout the semester, we intentionally set up pods Mm. where, hey, this group right here is like our after six o'clock group that likes to meet, you know, after six, after they pick up their kids. We have some child care activities going on. They're able to meet in their group, talk about the work. Sometimes they talk about things that have nothing to do with the academic work, right? Mm-hmm. But students will be students. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'll hear me check in like from the back office. Like that doesn't sound like they're doing work. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's what it's for though, right? For you to be able to create those friendships and those bonds still while you're able to do your work um, online. But yes, we intentionally create those spaces for them to be able to talk with one another. But then also after we do that, because we're also not trying to force it mm-hmm. because there are people that are like, you know, I just want to get my degree mm-hmm. and move on, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So it's really up to the student if they want to take advantage of those opportunities. So we also have events. Um, we have work study positions. Right. All those things haven't changed. Right. So students are still able to come into the space get their work done, but also, again, create that community. But, yeah, for sure. Okay. Intentional, but also not forced. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I that just, requires, you don't have to come into the space. <laughs> well, I think about, you know, with our students here, with my students, um, the older students tend to do better in an online environment because mm-hmm. they, they know why they're there. They have a lot of, they're just older. They've figured out a lot of, like, life stuff, and they're very purposeful. Okay. 
doesn't work for everybody. But a lot of times, like, you know, straight out of high school undergrads end up in these classes, whether they're synchronous or asynchronous online, and they um, struggle. Um, mm-hmm. And that often does a number on them because they have that feeling, like you said, of being alone. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, you can also feel alone in a classroom with people. Mm-hmm. There's no question about no, that. For sure. For sure. <laughs> but I think it's so interesting to... Um, and, and so then, like, as a teacher, I also, like, really, like, value the in-person experience um, that can happen with people. And I think it's so interesting that you're pairing both of those things together. Um, yeah. That it's different than other models that I know about, like, a low-residency kind of programs or, like, you meet, you know, once a semester yeah. or yeah. once a year for a Saturday or something. But this is, like, a higher-touch kind of model in the, in the cohort community base. Yeah. I think about like I often tell my students all the time that just thinking about my college experience in mm. undergrad and how it was if it wasn't for my friends, I probably mm. would have made it. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're having those tough days. Yes. Because I'm from I'm from an immigrant household. Right. And I was the first to go to college and experience this college experience. So my parents didn't really have any idea of what was going on. Right. And so I was in it by myself. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I had to make the decision by myself, mm-hmm. but I had peers around me. I had my friends around me that were going through the same thing and we figured it out together. Right. And I think that is what this space does. It increases your community. Right. It increases the accountability partners, what we like to call them. Right. It, it increases the people that are going to push you. So when your family doesn't understand mm-hmm. that. You're up at 2 a.m. trying to get this paper done, right? When your kids are doing what kids do, right? You are able to call Natasha, right? Who may be in Connecticut or may be mm-hmm. in South Jersey and be able to talk to her like, listen, I'm going I'm going through this. What I know you have kids too. What did you do, right? You're able to call this person that is literally in it with you. And then we also do cross cohorts too. So students who are um, a little bit more into the program, right, what you would consider what, a junior, right, traditionally, to be able to connect with the freshmen, right, and be able to explain to them, you know, what helped them throughout the process as well. Nice. Some of the statistics on your website about on-time graduation rates, I mean, so, yeah. uh, were... And like public uni- public state universities, right, do better than most and on-time graduation rates are what, like 22%? Yeah. yeah. Um, and and it, online schools and private, not good, for-profit. For sure, for sure. I think um, when we think about the rhetoric of like going to school, it's always been get to. Yeah. And I think, right, even like my high school, I started to think in developing this experience, like with Southern New Hampshire University, I started to think about what my high school screams at the top of their lungs. And it's 100% of our students got mm-hmm. into college, mm-hmm. right? It's always that number. And you see all the list of the beautiful But colleges. who got out? <laughs> yeah. Bingo. Yeah. <laughs> <But> who left? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who took because five years, 10 years. And there's also nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing Taking five, wrong, sure. 10, absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, but when you just... Think about, you know, the things that or the when you think about the reasons why parents may choose these high schools, mm-hmm. right, for their students to go to, it's usually because 100 percent, oh, they're going to get into college. Mm-hmm. But that thought about, all right, how are they getting through college? Mm-hmm. How are they finishing or if they are finishing? And we don't I don't think we have that conversation a lot. Mm. Especially when we start talking about money, right? Because money is tied into it as well. Oh, yeah. We start talking about debt, and then we're talking about you not graduating, but you still having to pay back all of this money. Mm. And if I quoting one of my students, they're like, you know, well, that's a scam because I didn't mm-hmm. even get my money worth out of this. You should give me my money back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said that but, before too. Right. <laughs> run me my run me my money back. Thanks. Mm. The refund plus more. Um, but yeah, when I think about, you know, how, what, how we should be thinking about our, um, our data, um, as higher ed institutions, right. Mm -hmm. Thinking about if students are making it through, 
Because if students aren't making it through, I'm not a person that blames the consumer. I blame the product. Mm -hmm. So how do we go after the product? How do we make the product better? Right. And that's, again, thinking through how do we make this college experience better? How do we how do we use the system to fix the system, if if you will? Right. Um, but, yeah, I. I agree with you. Those those stats are actually pretty alarming. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was pretty alarming for me because I didn't believe it. Right. Because I was right. also I was one of the few that made it through. Right. Um, and if I think about, you know, like just growing up, like I stated, you know, before that. I grew up in an immigrant household, right? Um, in one of North's high-rise housing projects during the height of the crack epidemic in the 90s. And at an early age, you know, though I realized like this reoccurring cycle of poverty, right? I also didn't realize how much people do not get the opportunity mm-hmm. that I, how many people don't get that opportunity, right? Though I read, right? Obviously, it's around me. Poverty is around me. Oh, my God, Mm -hmm. this sucks. Right. I realize that. But then I think like as not only a college student, I would say I would say pregraduate right when I was going into graduate school, because as a college student, I thought, you know, if you worked hard, you're going to get these opportunities. Yeah. Right. You work hard. You're going to get these opportunities. You work harder. You're going to finish. Whether you finish in five, six, 30, you're going to finish. And that's just not true. Mm. Yeah. That's not true at all. Um, but going back to, right, how do we think about the product and not the people being the problem? I think like that is how we solve for X, whatever X is. I haven't figured that out. Maybe I yeah. need to go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> you probably will. That's probably. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone says that. They're like, when you get bored and you go quiet on Instagram. It's a type. It's a type. You, yeah, it's a type. I think you're, you're back in school. If you're back in school, just say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny so how so you, i'm curious how the organization itself like came to be and and like how did the partnership with southern new hampshire university because we've got listeners um at institutions all around the u.s outside the u.s um and people who are looking for ideas to deal with this like moment of like really like sea change in higher ed um and so yeah we would love to like how did you partner with them um, did they come to you? Did you come to them? Uh, like, how did the organized gateway you come to be? Yeah, What's so the birth story for sure. <laughs> so SNHU has been um, running this model since 2014. Hmm. So the model launched. The model launched in 2014. The idea of pairing flexible online college with support of the community that it's in so they have right. local spots yes around they interesting have, yep there's local there's local organizations that are pushing this model forward specifically in Newark, we saw the problem specifically brick education network shout out to dominique lee amazing um charter school leader where students were getting their high school diploma. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big push, right? Students finishing high school. And of course, being a part of the K through 12 space, that's great. That's a big feat, right? They're getting through high school. And then he's realizing that, all right, but they're not going to college. Why, why not? Well, we've been screaming at the top of our lungs mm. to college, to and through, to and through. Mm. Literally, we plastered, you know, I've been in the K through 12 space before I moved into the higher ed space. You go in a kindergarten classroom, there's colleges wrapped around the ceiling, right? Mm. We're literally throwing it down your yeah. throats about go to college. And here it is your chance to go and they're not going or they're going and not making it through. So why? Yeah. Right. So you started thinking about the problem and how to support the problem. Of course, you know, all the issues, financial um, barriers, right? Didn't have the chance to go, didn't have the option to go, whatever the whatever the barrier may have been. He started thinking about those things. And then next, who's already doing this? I think also in education, we start to we start to reinvent the wheel. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love to, oh, we love we love to reinvent. It's oh, already yeah. happening. Yeah, right. this is why I'm saying share your secrets. Yeah, yep. <laughs> or just some of them, not all of them. Give us your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we reinvent things that's like already happening, and I think 
Um, I commend them for that, right? To fi- figuring out what's already working in different mm. spaces and how to tailor it to your community. So where I came into play is I, at the point where he was like, you know, hey, this is really good. This is happening. And at the time in um, Boston, so this is a really good p- program ha- happening in Boston. How do we make it work for our city? How do we make it work for our community? While we are sp- in North, we still can serve, right, anybody, right? So we have students that are in D.C. We have students oh, that are in okay. Texas. Oh, interesting. Yeah. We have students um, that are in California, right, that choose us as an option, obviously, because we've built um, really, really strong relationships. And I think good news travels. Sure. Yeah, good news travels. But the program itself started in 2014. Southern New Hampshire has been running it since then. The idea really just came to be like, you know, local leaders know what's going on in their city, Mm. in their state. How do we support them to support the community? Yeah. And I think for me personally, that is what I like to hear. Right. How do you empower the local leaders? Right. That not only have the idea, but have the relationships and have the wherewithal. Right. To be able to support the community, because who knows your community better than you do? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's never going to be an outsider coming into a community to solve its issues, right? The answers are already within your space. You have, you have the capacity, you have the people, you have the knowledge. Sometimes it's just the capital that you don't have. And I think SNHU does a great job of bringing in that capital to be able to support the community, to be able to get to the greater good. Okay. And that that that's us in a nutshell. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big nutshell, but <laughs> um, so so speaking of capital, is that kind of how you're getting funding? Are you getting it primarily from um, SNHU, or is it partial? Are you having to do a lot of fundraising? Do you get mm-hmm. government, you know, money, or is this a program that they don't fund? Like, how does that work? Yep. So students, students pay how you would traditionally pay for school. Right. So it's either you get financial aid, whether it be grant, whether it be loan or you pay out of pocket. Mm -hmm. I think what makes it different is 70 percent of our students receive Pell Grant. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you look at our tuition, the tuition is 7000 Well, Southern New Hampshire University's tuition, if you look at the tuition specifically for this program and its community partner, it's $7,000 a year. When you look at the Pell Grant max, it went up to $6,895. Mm. 70% of our students receive Pell Grant. So if we take that number and subtract it from the overall number of 7000 students end up paying $105 a term. Right. Oh. Right. That's that's affordable. If Right. No <laughs> kidding. I just I just walked out of a classroom where a student, two students in the class after me were talking about a textbook and like, oh, man, it's like it's so expensive. And then someone else was like, well, you can go online, you get the access code. It's 90 bucks. But like you're talking mm-hmm. about a whole term for 105 for, for the yeah. cost of a textbook. <laughs> and. <laughs> The other benefit is, and this is how they they got it down to this affordable price and being able, back to your question about capital, right? Mm. How do we, how are we able to share, how are we able to share this capital? How are we able to utilize that capital, right? It's by bringing the cost down. So they also thought really strategic about book costs, mm-hmm. right? So taking away all of that, that you, your traditional fees, your, um, your books, right? Your different platforms that you may use. And they literally created their own within Southern New Hampshire University. So everything that a student would need to be able to um, complete their work is within their SNHU portal, right? Is what they call it. the library, all of that free access. So you don't have to pay any additional money. Everything is within that seven thousand dollars. But that wow. money, yeah, that money is then split, right? To be able to, because of course you. You have to pay your professors now. Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) The people do not work for free. (laughs) But yes, you have to pay your professors. But then the other the other um, part of the profit 
goes into the community where you're able to support your coaches. You're mm-hmm. able to have um, student spaces, right? You're able to make sure everyone um, gets paid. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then also that the program is able to run. Mm-hmm. But the bulk of the money comes from the tuition mm-hmm. um, through Southern New Hampshire University. And then, of course, we um, we raise funds as well. Okay. Yeah. That's impressive. That is very impressive. <laughs> Getting rid of book costs is actually a huge deal. I just had to pay while well, my mother paid because I was like, I'm, I do not have it. Three, $330 mm-hmm. for like 15 textbooks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a, a godsend. Yeah. I was in nursing before I um, oh, decided it wasn't for me. Yeah. Uh, my roommate actually came home crying one day. Quick little mm-hmm. story. Came to my room crying because um, biochem was kicking me. Mm. And she said to me, you know, why don't you just teach? You're the only person that I know that actually likes being around other people's children. Legit, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I thought about it, and the first thing that came out of my mouth was I wanted to be an anesthesiologist, mm-hmm. right? Six figures right out sure. of graduation. And the first thing out of my mouth was teachers do not make money. Mm-hmm. Teachers do not make money. And after, you know, crying about it, praying about it, decided to make the switch. I think it was that Monday I went back to school, uh, well, back into the office and let them know, you know, wh- how can I graduate on time? And they told me you can do an English degree. You already took because I took so many English classes, yep. which I don't. I think I just like to write. Me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I just like to write. Um, took so many English classes. It was like, well, you have a lot of these courses. In order for you to graduate on time, your degree is going to have to be in English. And it's like, well, I'm taking that, and I'm gonna go teach. And I haven't looked back since. I think is probably the most rewarding yep. experience. While they don't pay like they should. <laughs> it is the most rewarding experience for sure. It does really matter. I mean, I think about this all the time too with like uh, the like hiring crises around teachers and stuff and how <laughs> if you are focused on money, yeah, perhaps not the best career path to take and the quality of your day or the quality of your time and doing something that you love. I mean, that is your life. Yep. Um, I always say I would do this for free. Yeah. Let's say I hit the mega millions tomorrow. I would still I would still be here. Mm. But I have the freedom to say I don't want to do it anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, are, yeah. what are um what are some things that you like if if we were all hanging out in the space of gateway, what like you already talked about like just people chatting about like school, about life, anything else, but what are some um like success stories or what are some things that you're hearing people say? I imagine they're having an experience unlike one they've had before. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have some harm from previous yeah. college experiences. Um, I'd be curious about those kinds of stories. Sure. Um, so right off the top of my mind, I think about a student, um, Deja. And student Deja went to a prestigious college mm-hmm. out of high school. Um, can I name the college? Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Maybe not. Name drop. <laughs> name drop. <laughs> Is that okay? Um, she went to Seton Hall. She went to Ooh, Seton Hall. that was my first choice. Ah, they yeah. rejected me, so I'm still bitter. She's bitter now, too, once I tell you the story. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but, yeah, she, um, she got into Seton Hall, went to Seton Hall, and... A traumatic experience happened. She lost her dad. Mm. And while her dad was going through his health issues, right, she had to take on the responsibility of the like the financial portion, right? She had to take on the financial responsibility of school now. Mm. And Seton Hall is not cheap mm. at all. Right. And she's taking out these loans to be able to pay. She's taking out these loans. She's taking out these loans. And she took out so many, mm-hmm. right, to pay this tuition that she basically took out her max. Yeah. So she maxed out. Mm. 
And she has nobody to sign, right? Her dad is has now passed. Mm. And she has no one to sign off on the loan or no one to say, oh, I'm going to do Parent Plus or whatever the case may be. You know, all the little tricks and tips that we do so we can keep on going. She had no one to do that. Um, insert now, she's like, all right, well, I got to take a break. So she stopped going to Seton Hall. Um, she starts working. Now she's, you know, making a little money. But also, the clock is going. Yep. Right? The clock is going. And by the time she's able to come back, she has now literally used all the time for her credits. So now she's unable to get her her credits back Mm. and apply to her degree. Oh. Yes. At Seton Hall. Yes, at yeah, because their so policy is tight like that. Yeah, yeah. She's running into problem after problem. It's like one problem happens now. She's trying to fix basically that, um, and she also doesn't even have enough, mm. right, to go back. That's the other piece, right? She also doesn't have enough to go back. So for her, she was done. She was like, you know what? This just isn't for me. Deja had, I think, like eighty something credits. Mm. Now, I don't, of course, when my students tell me, you know, how many credits they have, I'm like, well, did you, did you take general ed classes or did you take a whole bunch of electives, right? But she has these 80 credits that she's unable to get one way or another. She can't transfer because she has a bill, right? She, she, she's had conversations with them and whatever the policy may be, half those credits are like gone. And it's it's just a whole it's just mm. a lot of rigmarole around it, right? And I think like specifically for her, when I think about why we exist and how we think through supporting students that have these type of issues, like I just wonder, you know, what's going on on their back end. Mm. I imagine so many students that you know students just kind of become numbers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, right. But here it is, Deja. We met Deja because Deja does, did AmeriCorps. So she's just accumulating these education award grants. I also did AmeriCorps um, as well. So we did a um, a session for AmeriCorps uh, members. And she was one of the people that attended the session. And then from there, we just kind of like hit it off. Hmm. And she also says all the time, you know, I did not think this was like true. I thought it was too good to be true, right? So Deja right now, she's in her third term. She's in her third term and she t- she says it all the time. Like, I thought college was over for me. Of course I she did, yeah. yeah. I thought it was done. It was like a done deal. Like this, I just left it alone. You know, like this is just what it is. I'm just gonna have to figure it out without the degree. Whether... And it, I think also, like, when we think about college students, it's like, you'll, if you're smart enough, you'll, you'll get, you'll get in. Mm. It's just ridiculously intelligent, mm-hmm. right? If you're smart enough, you'll make it through. Mm-hmm. That's not the case here, right? Right. Um, and I just think about, you know, the labels that we put on people, yep. but also the, the help that we don't give, mm-hmm. the support that we don't give. And I often think when people ask me, like, okay, well, you know, who's your, I could go on and on and on. But I think about Deja at the top of my mind. So I'm like, oh, you were so close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were so close. And if, if it were not for any of these circumstances, you may as well may have had your master's by now. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So just, yeah, thinking about that. I mean, the, the list goes on. We have 50 year old freshmen. They like to call themselves that. <laughs> the students who didn't get the opportunity when they were coming out of high school mm-hmm. and whether it be for money or whether it be because they just didn't understand the process and they didn't have anybody to help them through. And here it is, they're going back to school. And I mean, they have hoodies and everything that says 50 freshmen. Not my, <laughs> idea. not my idea, their idea, but yeah. <laughs> they have these hoodies that say 50 old freshmen on it, but it's also the, they're proud of themselves. Yep. Yeah. And I think like, that's the reward for me. We'll, right? We'll be okay. We'll be great. We're figuring it out. But also for the student 
to be, to have like pride Mm -hmm. that, and I'm doing it. I think like that is what's rewarding for me. I think that's rewarding for my staff as well. When you hear, hear the students say, yo, I did this thing. I am in school. I'm a college student. Mm. Like they're looking, like it's for them. Like wow, I'm a college student. And although, right? It may be a lot. It, it took a while to get there, but I'm here. I'm doing it. And we also always run that back for them to hear it. Like, mm. listen, you're here. You're doing it. It's going to get done. Mm. But yeah, for sure. I think about what a number, like psychological number we do on on so many students like Deja, where, and I, I've heard that from, from students that I've had about how they take all of that on as their own personal failure, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that they're not good enough. They couldn't figure it out. It's their problem. It's not a big structural problem. It's not like a bunch of dead ends that they hit. Mm-hmm. And then they think they're not smart. They're, you know, it's it can really like mess a person up. Um, yeah. And it sounds like, there's a lot of restorative work mm-hmm. in terms of that self-worth and pride and capacity, all of that. 100%. I think, right, there's a number of students that we have that have tried college before, right? Deja being one of them. Um, and I think it's, you have about so many times that you try and then when you come back, you automatically start thinking about the reasons why it didn't work the last time mm-hmm. and those start creeping in. Yep. Right. Soon as you hit a little, a little, a little bump in the road, it's like, you know what? I knew this wasn't for me. I, I knew this wasn't going to work out. And it's literally like a retraining of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a retraining of the mind. Um, and I think that those, not only does the relationship count there, but also the patience, uh-huh. right? So thinking about our coaching model, the case low, the max is 35. Huh. So you have 35 students to a coach, right? Thinking about me as an educator, I'm like, okay, first of all, 35 students in the classroom, that's already too much. Uh-huh. But yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, but thinking about how much time you can actually give a student 40, 40 hour work week. You got 35 students. All students won't be high need. All students won't need you yep. to help retrain the mindset, right? All students won't need that. So that's how I think about how support is given, right? And how students, how we're dividing our time to make sure students get what they need. So these little humps that usually kind of go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Right. Because when you, you stop hearing from a student like, oh, they may be busy two weeks, three weeks go by, mm-hmm. not in the office. They're not right. And it's because that little that little that little bump happened. Yep. Maybe they didn't get the grade that they wanted to get or maybe, you know, something's going on at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very real. I think we often back to college just because you decided to go and get your degree does not mean life stops. Mm-hmm. Life does not stop lifing, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like life is going to happen regardless if you decide to get your degree or not. Mm-hmm. So here it is, you know, you're trying to get this degree and life happens and you're not being vocal about it. And you're thinking, you know what? Let's wrap this idea. I'm done. I tried it. It didn't work out. And I think like that coach, because they don't have 250, 350 students on their caseload or students last name A through M, Right. Because they don't have this large caseload, they're able to pick up on those little things to say, hey, Lakeisha hasn't answered her phone or Mark hasn't answered their phone. Right. Or Thomas, what's going on? I haven't seen you in the office in a, in a, um, in a while. Is everything all right? And you're able to get it out of them because sometimes it doesn't happen for the student. So I think it's also some shame there. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you, you, you've tried four four times to go to school. And we also know that you've tried four times. Mm-hmm. We've had these conversations in the beginning. And this is the fifth go-round, and it's not working out. Mm-hmm. And to you, you're the person that, like, well, if I've tried five different ways, you know, or three different ways, and I've tried community, I've tried state, I've been out of state, 
and here it is. I'm trying an online space and none of them are working. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not the maybe it's not the college. Maybe it's not the system. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. And they start to look at themselves like that. And and I don't think it's in that conversation a blame game. I don't think it's a oh no, actually it's the college fault or actually it's the institution's fault or actually it's your fault. I think it's understanding what the root is and driving towards the solution, right? Solving for X. Again, whatever whatever X is. <laughs> I think you should write a book and part of it, uh, part of the title should be Solving for X. <laughs> Solving for X. It's a good title. It is. It actually is. Solving for X. <laughs> <laughs> From an English major too. Um, <laughs> so we just have a few minutes left with you, Sema, and um, one thing that we like to do with guests is really talk about um, because this is at a moment like a society in general of um, like major shifts, um, like both like some really scary stuff going on, but also some inspiring um, efforts, organizations, people, movements. Um, and so what is your like what's your vision for what higher ed could and should be like the mm-hmm. role of higher ed in society? Yeah. I think, I guess when I think about um, the role that higher ed was supposed to play, Mm. right? Higher ed was supposed to be this key to opportunities, right? It's supposed to be this, this gateway to opportunities. I think that while it still is, right? It's proven, right? And obviously there's other options um, to be able to gain economic mobility, right? Mm -hmm. But specifically when we're talking about higher ed and what higher ed is supposed to do, I don't think that, I don't think it's doing it, but I also... I also don't think that it is, I don't think that it supports everybody. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Definitely right. Different. It, it, it doesn't support everybody. I think that, so first, when we talk about options, because like I'm big on making sure that the black community has options, mm-hmm. right? So, if I look at my right my time in education from what, 2013 to to now, you know I've back to the school school choice. You know I've literally watched and been a part of this school choice rhetoric. Right, mm-hmm. school choice, school choice, school choice. Right, people should have the choice for what they do and where they go. Student parents should be able to choose where their students go to school. Um, I start to think about what choice actually means. And I think there's a difference between you having a fruitful or having fruitful, rewarding options, right? And being able to make the best decision for you. And then, right, so there's a difference between that and then you being told you have to take this path. Mm -hmm. I think specifically when we talk about the Black community, you are told you have to do this thing, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not choice. Mm -hmm. That's not an option, Mm -hmm. right? That's 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 a command. <laughs> yep. And specifically when we think about oppression, right? We're becoming the oppressors, mm. right? You have to do this thing. This is the only option you have. Do it and that's it. Right? Um and I think in education we often confuse the two. Mm. I think to in order for us to change that, not only does the conversation have to be about increasing options and making sure people have access to those options, but there has to be action behind it. Because I think when it's just conversation, we're just talking, mm-hmm. right? And the talking goes nowhere. So it has to be actual action behind that. Um, I also think about how to make, how to ensure that not only do you have the choice right? Real choice and not um, someone telling you this is the only option you have, 
But I also think about how do we increase the access, mm. right? Because I think that is also, you know, like a big deal that we don't, we often don't talk about. Mm. Who has the access and who has the key to the access? Mm. Who's allowing who's allowing the students to come through, right? And what does access look like? It's not just financial, mm-hmm. right? I think we often, when we talk about higher ed, the conversation always goes to money. Mm-hmm. And that's not always it. Some people have the some people have the finances, but they don't have the support. Yeah. Right? Some people have the support, but they didn't have the they didn't have the knowledge beforehand. Mm-hmm. Right? So they don't know what this looks like. It's like we want you to go to school, but we don't understand any of this. Mm-hmm. And it kind of falls, mm-hmm. right? Um, but yeah, so I think and if I didn't answer your question, please ask it again. <laughs> but when I think about, you know, higher ed and the direction that I think we should be going towards, I think it's around access and, and options. Yeah. But in a real way. Yeah. Because yeah. there are some institutions that I see, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, take this online class and then we'll just take your money and then you'll fail. And then maybe you'll come back again. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a like dropout rate so high, you know, with, I mean, there's some predatory models, I think. I've seen a lot of predatory stuff. Like I had a cousin, I don't know if she ever finished, but we were at community college together and she was just like, I have eight classes mm. that I was told to take. At a time. That now they're telling me I did not need to take and I have to take X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, like I don't know if that's deliberate, like, because I've heard people say that at different colleges. So I've always wondered, is that, did, do they slip in a little note? They'd be like, hey, make sure you tell them to take class. You, don't got you know, like, how does that work? You know, or is it just on you know, an accident with a lot of right. advisors? You know, they just weren't reading it correctly. Um, that's always something that I wondered, like, is it a, are they doing this for money? Like, how, do, how does that work? That's real. Yeah. I mean, all institutions like need to like, or the goal is to maintain themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's like always part of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I always say it's a business. Mm-hmm. It's it is. A business. It is. Yeah. It's a, it's a business. And I think back to, you know, focusing on the product, the school has to run. Yeah. I think like they think about it like that. But I think we, because right, butts and seats equates to dollars, yep. right? And that's just as, as plain and simple as I can say it, right? Butts and seat equals to dollars. The more butts you have in seats, the more dollars you get, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's coming from out of their pockets or coming from the federal government, right? Um, but I think that that equation is why we're here now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All these right? math analogies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, nobody and, here study math. Yeah, but my algebra teacher would be amazed right now. I know. I know. <laughs> I study journalism, so I got nothing to do with this conversation. <laughs> but yeah, I think the equation is the first part of the problem. Because we're thinking about students as dollars. Yeah. Right? But yeah. And I think, you know, your point about like the the promise of higher education and then the the data that really like it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, like higher ed still is a gateway to uh, economic security. You know, like people yeah. make more money. This mm-hmm. like data is pretty clear and it also is not accessible to everybody. And I think. Um, I some, mean, historically, right. It was absolutely, it wasn't supposed to be, yeah. but we're also like, what's so interesting though is like we're, we all have these old, model institutions Mm -hmm. and we're trying to retrofit them in a lot of ways and that doesn't work Mm -hmm. it doesn't work which is why is why i think gateway so interesting but your point about the um not giving people a choice i think actually some of the students i have who struggle the most are people who have always been they've been channeled through to college either by Mm -hmm. their parents or through um, bridge programs and they're here Mm -hmm. they don't know why they're here Mm. They don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And college is hard if you want to be yeah. there. And it is <laughs> impossible if you are, if you haven't, if, you, if you're like, I didn't choose to be here. I have to. Um, I think that that's like such a path towards, um, you know, Structure. failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
I agree. I agree 100. percent I think um, I think two things. I think when we back to your, what you were saying about it not being for everyone. I mean, it it wasn't designed to be. Yep. Right. <laughs> it, it wasn't designed to be. It we started charging. Right. We go back. And I, I know I'm off with dates. History is not my major. Um, but I think believe it was like in the what the 60s when we started to really charge for school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we started charging for school is because it was an uptick in black people that were going to college. Right. Oh, so really? now, uh, yeah, the number for college is increasing. And the like post GI Bill, too. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait, hold up. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think when we're. T- we're trying to re I hate using redesign, but we're trying to redesign a space that was not designed mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Right. Doesn't that that sounds kind of crazy, right? When you say it out loud. Um, but yeah. And I think, you know, going back to what you were saying about choice, you know, if we if a student doesn't choose to be there mm-hmm. and now they're there they're by themselves, yep. right? They're, you don't have mommy and daddy. That was You don't have whoever was pushing. You're, you're in this by yourself now. It's you, your professor, and your friends, mm. right? If, if, if you have a good circle of them, right? Yeah. If you didn't want to be there, just thinking about what that does to your, what that does to the space, and then also what's that, what does it do to you as right. a person, right? I'm not just thinking about you as a college student. I'm thinking about you as a human being, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. How, what that does to your mental oh, and yeah. how you then move throughout life, right? Because all these these decisions that are made for you, right? It starts to determine how you actually move throughout life and how you move throughout this space that we call Earth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, my thoughts. I mean, I that's really, a what's that? I said I really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah. I, that is such a good note to to end on like thinking about how you know and frankly it starts like our whole life is this way but like more and more I feel like people are on pathways especially through education and that does a number on like what you feel like is possible for you as a person on the planet Mm -hmm. Um, and how you see other people and yourself and community so Mm -hmm. anyway we could talk to you obviously all day (laughs) Um, but Sama thank you so much we would love to catch up you know maybe we're in season six season eight See what's going on with Gateway. Yeah. Um, but it really, it's a very, like, people-centric, community-centric model um, that brings, like, that puts human beings in the center of what can otherwise in an online education be sort of a disembodied experience. So, really, it's been such a joy to yeah, talk to you. It's been great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I appreciated it. I I had myself a good time. I feel like I was back in a classroom just talking. Yeah. yeah. I love this. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Thanks, thank Sarah. you.